Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Well, welcome to church. My name is Keith. I'm the campus pastor here. If you've never been to Renew Life, we're so glad that you're here with us. Maybe you're here with, with family or, or whatever else today. Um, super excited. Excited to get to meet on New Year's Eve, right? Come on. We got the real Christians in the room. I'm just going to look all of you right in the eye. Either you're the real Christians or you're the real partiers and you're trying to feel good about yourself before you do what you do tonight, <laughs> which I'd encourage you not to do, by the way. Um, <clears throat> no, we're really glad that you're here. I'm, I, I'm, I'm excited to share the message with you today, and I, I really believe it's going to help you. It's going to get uh, pretty practical, uh, but uh, I, I, like, I like practical. I like leaving church knowing what I, what, uh, something to do, right? A step to take. Um, it's one of my highest values just as a person is, um, is just, to, just to have some steps, get practical, and know what to do with my life. I mean, anybody, anybody ever had that thought, what am I doing with my life? Well, I'm not going to answer that question for you today, but I'm going to help a little bit, all right? Does that sound good? So if you have your Bible, open up to Philippians chapter 3. We're actually going to read out of two, two portions of Scripture today. Uh, we'll start in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, and then we're going to flip over to Proverbs. Oh, see, I got my phone up here too. Brandon's texting me. You want me to read it out loud? Nope. See, see, I'm going to catch you again, man. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 3, the ultimate athlete verse right here. You got to love it. It says in verse 12, it says this. I don't mean to say, this is Paul talking. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieve these things or that I've already reached perfection. Now, just so you know what he's, what he's referring to is the, the, a couple of paragraphs before, he begins to explain and, and write about how if, if, if there was anyone in the world who had a reason to brag, it could be him. If there was anyone who, could, who was the man in the Lord, it was Paul. He's out of the full-blooded Hebrew. I, 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 uh, I, I knew the scriptures like nobody else. I kept the law without fault. Um, and what he begins to explain is that he, he did all these things, but as he's, as he's following Jesus and learns, learning about Jesus, he realizes that all that stuff doesn't mean anything. That, that his, his human effort, his accolades, even in, in, the, in religion, they actually don't add up to the value of knowing, the infinite value, he says, of actually knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. And he begins to talk about the righteousness that he receives by faith through believing in Jesus. And so he goes on in verse 12 and he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. What does he mean? He's he's letting us know there's still a process. I believe what he's saying. There's still a process of him believing that he's righteous by faith alone. He's still grabbing hold of the Honestly, the, the simple but profound truth that righteousness is only obtained by faith in Jesus Christ and nothing else. It is by grace through faith we have been saved. Not by any man works so that nobody can boast about it. Amen? That's what he's saying. He said, I don't mean I've already achieved these things that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. There's, a, there's an encouraging word right now. Forget the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. 
I think what we see here in the life of Paul and in this portion of scripture is we can kind of look at, at Paul and be like, okay, Paul was a guy who had vision, didn't he? He was a guy who had a goal. <clears throat> he was a guy who you could argue was very driven. He was pressing on towards the end of the race to receive the upward call of Christ Jesus. He focused on this one thing. He was driven. He had purpose. He had vision for his life. Now, speaking of vision, turn to Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. <clears throat> You're very familiar with this scripture, I'm sure. If you've been in church for some time, it says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he, blessed is he. What are we talking about today? Today we're talking about vision. I want to talk to you about vision for your life, vision for 2024. Surprise, but you didn't guess that was going to be the message today on December 31st. <clears throat> um, but I, I really want to talk uh, around this we, uh, because I think what, what, what this time of year signifies and uh, what this time of year, what people most desire is they desire vision. We all desire vision. Now, we can call it a bunch of things. We call it a New Year's resolution. We call it goals, setting up a plan. But all those things, you know what they really add up to? You know what they're really pointing to? Vision. We want vision for our life. We want to know how to get better. We want to know how to change. We want to know how to change for the better. <clears throat> As I was meditating on this idea um, just over the last couple of days, I, uh, I, I found it extremely funny um, what the last week of the year represents. I want you to think about this because it's, it's an absolute emotional roller coaster. We all, how many, is Christmas your favorite holiday? Raise your hand. It's like, you're, it's most people, right? So it's, we're all leading up to Christmas. What is Christmas? It's a time to get around the family that you can only stand for a day. No, it's all good, right? You get around your family, you get to open presents, you get to take a break from work, you get to rest, open your open presents, eat a bunch of crazy good food that isn't healthy for you. And it's just, it's a time where everyone's like, hey, slow down and relax. And then seven days later, everyone expects everyone to change their life forever. <laughs> What's the matter with us? Like as humanity, I'm talking about human beings. Like why are we, why are we like this? You think about where we're, we finally get into a flow of relaxing <clears throat> and it's like we can't stay there any longer. And it's like, no, we have to figure out what we're going to do for the rest of our life. We're going to change everything, new habits, new diet. I'm going to have a six pack. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to work out five days a week. I'm going to read my Bible seven, seven days a week. I'm going to pray this year. Watch. And we pick out all these things we're going to do. It's really what this time, it, it's kind of crazy that we, we do what we do, but the truth is, it is what it is, isn't it? You are right now, you are thinking, of what, am, what, what, am, what vision, what plan, what goals am I going to put in place tomorrow? And what I've, <clears throat> the point that I'm making is, what, what I've discovered in, in, in life is that um, it, it, it's actually really wise to use the momentum that a new year brings for your life. 
Yes, it's crazy. Yes, it's an emotional roller coaster, but, but there's something about this time where there, there seems to be a pressing, seems to be extra motivation. There seems to be um, um, a little bit extra energy to actually go out and change and accomplish that. And what I'm telling you is life is already hard enough. You might as well use the momentum that this day brings and this week brings. It is a, it is a moment to sit back and, and say, all right, how do, I, how do I actually want to live? Who do I actually want to become this year? So today, I, I, just, I, I don't want to fight that. <laughs> I don't want to fight that. I actually want to use that to our advantage, amen, and, and share with you just, just some, some general vision, some general vision for your life, for my life, um, some things that I've learned over the years that I, that I think will, will help you, um, and, and I kind of want to back off, kind of give you a 40,000-foot view this morning of what this next year is going to bring. Does that work for you? You, I, you? you can get as specific as you want in your alone time with the Lord, but I'm just going to kind of give you some, some general parameters, some pillars, some foundational rhythms for your life that I know will help you. Amen? So let's pray and ask the Lord to help. God, we, just, we come to you right now. We, we surrender our heart. We surrender our life. Uh, we just surrender even this new year to you. And uh, we thank you that you're going to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine because your word says so. And we, 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 we hope, like Natalie said, we hope. We hope for great things. We don't, we don't let disappointment from the, the, this last year take over the next year. But we have new hope, fresh legs to stand on today. And, um, yeah, we just lean into you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. You know, I think before we ever start talking about vision, we have to establish if we believe in vision or not. Like, do you actually believe in having vision for your life? Do you believe it's a thing? Do you believe that it's actually important? Do you think that it's important? Do you, do you have a belief that you should have goals? Do you have a belief that you should have a plan in place? Do you, do you believe in vision? Now, if I were to ask you that and you were to answer out loud, your mouth would say one thing. Oh yeah, we need a vision. Of course, I, I know about goals. Been, been taught that since I was in school. We, we, we need to have a plan. We would all say it with our mouth, but I want to, uh, I want to ask it in a different way. If, if your actions could speak for themselves, could I come or could somebody come into your life and look at the way that you live and determine that you value vision? Could I look at your calendar? Could I look at the things that you do and, and be able to discover the fact that you actually value having goals and a plan in your life? See, none, none of this works today if you actually don't believe that vision is actually important. That having a goal, that having a plan actually really matters. Now, why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing this up because every person in this room has a bad history with goals. I'm bringing this up because there's not one person in here who has accomplished every single goal they've put out to accomplish. And what I've discovered personally, and I'm guessing this has happened to you too, is you get to a place eventually in life 
where you've set so many New Year's resolutions and you've broken so many of them, you're like, forget it this year. I'm tired of setting vision. I'm tired of the goals. And I ain't doing no plan. I'm just going to keep trucking like I always have. Things work out. Can anybody relate? Like, what is the flipping point? And, there, and, and if we are not careful, because of our history with goals, we will lose value in setting them. Because, because of our history with, with vision, see, see, if you don't set vision, you can't disappoint yourself because you can't fail. But when you set vision and when you have a goal and when you have a plan, oh, now there's something, especially if you put it on paper, like scripture says, write it plainly. And you put it down, oh, now you have something to measure yourself against. And it hurts a lot worse when you don't accomplish it. And if we're not careful because of the disappointments, because of our failures, we, we, have, we disvalue vision for our life. But I'm here to re-engage you in the process of value and vision again today. I want to encourage you to believe in vision because scripture is very, very clear. You know what it actually says? Proverbs 29, 18, we already read. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Can I give you my translation? <clears throat> if, you don't have a vi if you don't have vision or you don't have a plan, you've officially signed up to perish. It's like, it's like there's a, there's a, at guest services today, we have a parish sign-up sheet. And you just went out there and just scribbled your name down. I am signing up to parish today because I have no vision. Now, here's what I'm, that was a joke that you didn't think was funny. It was kind of harsh, but um, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you're going to hell, okay? Maybe that's why you weren't laughing, all right? <clears throat> I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you're going to burn forever because you have no vision. That perish can be a strong word. But what I am saying is that there will be areas of your life that will perish. You will, because you have no vision, you will find yourself in places you should have never been. Because you have no vision, there will be places that feel unfulfilled and unsatisfied in your life. There will be no fruit in your life. Why? Because you have no vision. And so there's areas of your life that are just perishing. And the, and the, and the answer is this simple. You just need some vision. I just need some vision. This is what Proverbs was teaching us. Without vision, the people perish. Oh, but it says, but he that keepeth the law, he that has vision and keeps it, happy is he. Another, another translation <clears throat> says this. You've, you've probably heard this one. It says, without vision, people cast off restraint. Anybody heard that one? I think that's New King James. They cast off restraint. What does that mean? <clears throat> I'll give you an example. Um, <clears throat> if, if, you have a, if you have a vision or you have a goal to lose 50 pounds, you've officially put some restraints in your life. One of those restraints, no donuts. <laughs> what? What do you mean? I, can't, I mean, if you want to lose 50 pounds, you just can't have donuts is what I mean. It's just pretty simple. I think we can all agree. <clears throat> it, it, it puts a restraint in your life. If you have no vision 
and you just want to lose 50 pounds, but you have no vision, you have no goal, and you have no plan, guess what? You will say yes to all the donuts. Why? Because you have no vision, and therefore you have no restraints. And so because there are no restraints, you have nothing, there's nothing putting a boundary by you and around you, and nothing to break, nothing, nothing you've put in your life that, that keeps you going this way like, like the blinders on a horse. It's, that's what vision does. It puts restraints. Don't look to the right. Don't look to the left. The vision is there. The vision is forward. And anything that could get in the way gets in the way. That's what, with, that's what it says. With, without, with no vision, people cast off restraint. Well, I ain't got no vision. I'm going to do what I want. Give me a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts now, in Jesus' name. This is, and, and this is what I've discovered about how valuable vision is. I can talk all day about how it gives you purpose. This is what Paul was talking about. He presses on to reach the end of the race, to receive the upward call. He had purpose. He had vision. Purpose. Calling. You know what else I've discovered recently about vision? Vision doesn't just give you purpose. It gives you protection. Vision actually puts boundaries in your life. It puts fences. Let me say it this way. Vision creates guardrails for your life. There's an interesting study I've known about for, for years now. And <clears throat> it's a study that this, this group of scientists did um, surrounding, surrounding kids and, um, and playgrounds. And they experimented with playgrounds that didn't have a fence and playgrounds that did have a fence. And what they found is these playgrounds that they built that had no fence around it, all of the kids stayed close to the teacher. They wouldn't wander too far because they were scared to get away from the protection of the teacher. But on the playgrounds that they actually put a fence, you already know what those kids did. They went all the way to the fence. They pushed the boundary. They went as, as far as they could go. Why? Because the fence actually gave them protection. The fence actually gave them guardrails. And if I could say it this way, this is what vision actually does. We think that vision actually restrains us. Vision actually gives you more freedom. It's more, it, I, need, I need a fence to know where I can play. I need a fence to know where I can hang. I need a fence to tell me what I can do and what I can't do. And when you know what you can do, all of a sudden there's actually more freedom than if there was no fence at all and you have no vision at all. See, sometimes, sometimes the restraint that we feel is, it's, it's, it's fear. We don't know how to operate, and so we fear operating, and we get complacent, we get lazy, and we stay close to the teacher, never living by faith. It's, it's actually with vision that, man, I, I can start to live by faith. I can, I can actually start to, to walk and do the thing that God has, has called me to do. Are you seeing this today? This is the value of having vision. I want to encourage you today before we, move, before we move forward, and we're going to here in a second, before we go anywhere else, 
re-engage your faith in the fact that you need vision. If I could encourage you to do one thing today, it would be for you to cry out for vision for your life. Cry out for vision. Cry out for it. Don't stop. Don't quit. Don't keep asking. Don't keep asking God, what am I supposed to do with my life? Don't keep, don't keep digging. Don't keep reading. Don't keep asking people and spiritual leaders in your life. Don't stop asking for vision. You say, well, it it's actually wears me out to try and figure out what I'm supposed to do with, do with my life. Well, join the party. Join the party. You may have not known it, but that's what you signed up for. You think Paul, sitting in prison, thought, now this was the vision God had for me. <laughs> this is it. No, Paul, I guarantee you, all, all the way to his death, he continued to believe he'd get out. Who wouldn't? He continued to believe for God's best. He continued to try and figure his life out. <clears throat> you know, that's kind of the thing about God is... Um, he doesn't actually reveal the end from the beginning to us. I may, this may answer a big question for you. You might be asking, why? Why is he the way that he is? <laughs> the reason he doesn't reveal everything is because if he did, it wouldn't require faith. It wouldn't require you to live by any faith. You just kind of know how things would work, things would work out, how things would fall into place. Trust me, you'd stop coming to church. You'd stop reading your Bible as much. He knows the human condition. He knows the human heart. The human heart needs a challenge. It needs question marks. It needs the unknown. So that we live by faith. Amen? So that we live in close relationship with him. Ultimately, he wants relationship. He wants your faith and he wants relationship with you. So we're in, this, in this, I, the, the, this place of always discovering vision for our life. Now, um, this is where it gets really, really practical. So if you have your phone or you have a piece of paper and you want to write down these things, I'm going to give you five, five pillars, five rhythms. Um, I actually don't know what to call them, so I'm just going to call them a bunch of things. Five deals to give you that are good advice. Um, but honestly, I think it'll give you some perspective and give you some, like I said at the beginning, give you some general vision for this next year. All right, y'all ready? Number one, remember that the Lord operates in seasons. Remember the Lord operates in seasons and learn to recognize them. When it comes to vision for your life, this is one of the most important things that you can have as your perspective is that the Lord operates in seasons. So the majority of the time, hear me today, the majority of the time, the vision you receive from God will be seasonal. I'm not saying that there isn't vision that exists outside of every season, that it's big vision, right? This is what I'm going to do with my life. This is a call on my life. It just, it, it actually works in every season. But I have discovered personally that the majority of the time, the vision for your life, it, it, it exists. It's seasonal vision. So 
Actually, I wish I could ask this question um, and and get answers from all of you. But I bet this whole time that I've been talking about vision, you've been thinking about the call of God on your life. This is what I'm supposed to, the vision, the vision for my life. You know what vision actually is? What it can be? Stop gossiping. Hey, for a season, cut back on the gossip. And then if it could just go all the way out, that'd be great too. Hey, actually, um, I need you, uh, and and here's some vision for a season. I need you to restrain your flesh. Say no to it for a little bit. It needs it. Sometimes vision for a season is I want you to fast. I want you to do a seven-day fast, a three-day fast. What do you mean that's three days? That's three days of vision. Three days of purpose. Three days of pressing on towards the goal to reach the end of the race. That's, it's, it's seasonal vision. Come on, are you hearing me today? See, take the pressure off of figuring out your life for just a second and just receive the light burden that comes by following Jesus. And it's a simple step by step by step. And he says, hey, get this out. Hey, encourage this. Hey, do this. Hey, go after. Hey, take this risk. That is vision for your life. And it is the majority of the, of the way that you will live your life. Real, small, incremental, seasonal vision. Come on, that deserves an amen. amen. <laughs> you ain't got to get it all figured out. Just what season is it? This is Ecclesiastes 3. You know it. <clears throat> for everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. There it is. God wrote it, put it in his holy scripture. Now it's got to be that way. For everything, there is a season. Time to be born, time to die, time to plant. Time to harvest, time to kill, a time to heal. Time to tear down, a time to build up. Hear me today, a time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance, even if you have no moves. A time to scatter stones, gather stones, embrace, turn away, search, quit searching. A time to keep, time to throw away, tear, time to tear, a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. We are made, everybody look at me for just a second, we are made to operate in seasons. This is why you have to put your head down on a pillow and rest at night. Because you can't last 24, 48 hours. It's, it, it is, you have to, you, we operate in, in God's system. And his system is seasons. It is seasons. There's even a weekly season that he put in place. What is a weekly season? Work six days, Sabbath one, rest one. It's a season. And when we butt up against that and we don't work within the season, we we encounter issues. Amen? So... Remember, when it comes to vision, remember, God operates in seasons. It's really, this is really great news, because if you don't like the season that you're in, it'll end. <laughs> it will come to an end. That's the truth. And if it's really, really good, that'll come to an end, too. <coughs> Yay. Doesn't mean it's going to go to a bad one. could get better. But he operates in seasons. And what I wanted to tell you today is this. 
you will have multiple seasons this year. Starting tomorrow and on through the next, this whole year, you will have multiple seasons. Which tells me this, you will have multiple visions, multiple goals, multiple plans. Lean into it. Lean into the voice of God. Lean into his scripture. And let him, this is why I say we not only need to remember and know he operates in seasons, we have to be able to recognize. God, are you calling me to grieve or are you calling me to dance? Is it time to cry or is it time to laugh? And when you recognize the season, all of a sudden vision starts to come. Because you realize vision, hear, hear, me, hear me this way, a crying vision doesn't exist in a laughing season. Sorry, I didn't write that down, so it took me a while to get that out. <clears throat> but crying vision, doesn't, it doesn't work in a laughing season. It's not the season for it, amen? So we remember, hear me say it again, you will have multiple seasons this year. Number two, another rhythm, pillar, deal to go off of. You ready? Fight when you're supposed to fight. We remember God operates in seasons. Here's some more vision for this year. Fight when you're supposed to fight. When the battle shows up in your life, fight it. There will be multiple battles that you will face this year. There might be two or three or seven or more. There will be battles. There will be trials. This is just a heads up. There will be ups and there will be downs. And if I could encourage you to do anything, is that when it is a battle, fight. And, I, and, and this is not great news, but it's the truth. You won't feel like it. Whenever there is a battle and you're supposed to fight, you won't feel like doing it. You'll probably have the least amount of energy that you've had all year. <clears throat> You'll have the least amount of motivation. This is why you need community in your life, friends in your life. But I, I, you have to get on the battlefield when there is a battle. If not, the enemy will eat you up and spit you out. And you will, you will run around this mountain in this battle longer than you're supposed to. But if you, will, if, you will not, if you will actually stop complaining and start fighting, and I'm going to preach to myself, I'm, I'm notorious for complaining about the fact that I have to fight. I'm just like, I'm just, this is just me. It's just a struggle and a weakness that I have. I'm like, really? Make Braden fight. I don't want to fight right now. Come on, Lord. Like, make Nick fight. Somebody, Chandler, like, there's a bunch of, why I got to fight? I've been living pretty clean, Lord. <clears throat> and I'll sit around for weeks and just complain and feel sorry for myself that I actually have to fight. If I would stop complaining and stop fighting the process and actually fight the battle, then, then, then I would win sooner. We, we see this in 1 Samuel chapter 11. We don't have it, but you, you've probably heard a message on this before. It said, in the springtime when kings go out to war, right. what did David do? He didn't go. And what happened? 
He found himself on a roof looking at a naked chick, committing adultery, and then murder, and then losing his kid, and they just kept going. Because when it was time to, a time for war, and a time for, when it was time for war, he didn't fight. <clears throat> and I'm preaching to myself and encouraging myself as much as I'm preaching to you today. Fight when it's time to fight. We're called to fight the good fight of faith. Heads up, guess what 2024 is? An election year. So let me remind you of what kind of fight you're fighting. Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Come on, I feel the Lord on this right now. Put on the whole armor of God that you, might, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Your fight is not against people. Amen. Our fight is in the heavenly realms because we're heavenly spiritual beings. And got really, really good news for you. You sit with Jesus at the right hand of the Father, which means you are above every principality and ruler of darkness that exists in the heavens below the third heaven, the upper heaven, the, the heaven where you sit, which means you have a right to pray. You have the power to pray and actually change things. So when I say fight, don't fight with human weapons. Fight with your spiritual weapons. Say, I don't know what my spiritual weapons are. Can I coach you up for a second? Figure it out. <laughs> Next point. <clears throat> so fight when there's a fight. Number three, celebrate when you have something to celebrate. This is vision for this next year. I'm not saying that you only celebrate when you have something to celebrate. I'm just saying celebrate when you actually have something to celebrate. We've got to get better at this. We've got, to, we've got to get better at finding joy in the Lord. We've got to get better at recognizing the seasons to laugh and to dance and to harvest. And I just want to encourage you, because some, some of you are like this, stop feeling guilty about being happy. Stop feeling guilty about celebrating. And I would even, I'm not saying to flaunt it, but other Christians need to see you celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this is just a little bit of Keith coming out, all right? Sorry, I'm pretty sure it lines up with Scripture. So just, <laughs> if it's always hard, you're doing it wrong. Amen. Like, life is always hard. You're just, you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, like, how do I know that? Ecclesiastes 3. Doesn't say that you are stuck in a time of crying. Thank you for the music. <clears throat> no, there's times to celebrate. And when you have something to celebrate, you better flip and celebrate. We better lift our hands. We better thank the Lord. We better clap our hands. We better rejoice. We better open a nice bottle of wine with our friends. We better cook a medium rare ribeye steak. We better do the things that we need to celebrate. Why? Because life is good. We're blessed. We live in a great country. We live in a free country that allows us to meet right here today. 
without any persecution whatsoever. There's so many things to be thankful for and to celebrate. And so when there's something that happens, take some time to stop and celebrate. God actually created a rhythm I've already mentioned. He created a rhythm in our life to celebrate. It's known as the Sabbath. The Sabbath Sabbath is made to rest and to celebrate all that you already have. It's to take a moment and reflect on the Lord and think about how good he's been to you. Not to engage in society and culture and getting and more and more and more and more, but to push all that away and to stop and rest and celebrate the goodness of him on your life. I'll add to that point, celebrate often. (laughs) Celebrate often. You might say, I'm not good at having fun. I'm not good. I'm I'm the one that's not good at celebrating. Find someone who is. Find the person that's the fun. Find the person that makes it a little bit lighter. Find the person that isn't all stuck in their head all 24-7 and overthinks everything. Get around them and let them rub off on you a lot. Because you are way too serious, bro. Talking to myself for a second. Relax. Celebrate when you can. John 10, 10, thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said this, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Celebrate. Number four. Number four, some vision for your life. Stay well nourished by the word of God. Here's one thing in general that you need to do this next year. Stay well nourished. What am I talking about? I'm talking about consistency in the word. And I'm talking about consistency in the written word and consistency in the spoken word. Matthew 4, verse 4 says, Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I taught on this last year. That word, word, is rhema. It's the spoken word. It says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by the spoken word of God. This is your life force. This is your lifeblood is scripture. And man, I'm going to be the first to say, I want want to stay more well-nourished in the word this year. A a vision for my life, I'm going to stay well-nourished. What does that mean? I got to keep feeding. I can't find myself in famine. But I continue to feed and continue to feed. And let me just say this, nothing else works without this one point. Nothing in your life will work right without you being well-nourished by the Word. It keeps your heart soft. It keeps your mind renewed. It keeps your spirit in tune. You want to know how you're going to know when to fight and when you're in a battle? You're well-nourished by the Word. You want to know what season it is? You got to be well-nourished by the Word. You want to know when you're supposed to celebrate and have gratitude come up in your heart? You have to stay well-nourished in the Word. So we recognize the seasons, we fight when we're supposed to fight, we celebrate, 
and we're supposed to celebrate. We stay well nourished by the word. And our last point, number five, some vision for this year is to take a risk. Take a risk. Why? Romans 1, 16 through 17 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. This gospel that we preach, this gospel that we read, this gospel that we live by is infused with power. What do you need power for? You need power to take a risk. He goes on to say, um, it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. You want to know why I want you to take a risk? Because taking a risk requires faith. And you're the just of God. And God says the just shall live by faith. You're going to have to step out this year. You want some vision for this next year? Take a risk. Take a risk. God will honor. Me and Bray were just talking about this earlier. God will honor your faith. Even if your step is a little bit inaccurate. Even if your step is a little bit in the wrong direction. God doesn't say that God honors right direction. It says he honors faith. He rewards faith. He rewards those who believe in him. It's it's, it's actually taking steps of faith. That's what it's all about. Now, I'm going to make it really, really simple for you today. You have 365 days to do this next thing. You ready? I want you to take one risk this year. Take one risk. Just one. Now, for you overachievers out there, it's okay to take more. But just start with that. Let that be your goal. Let it be simple, small. I'm going to take one risk. What could that be? I'm going to walk over to that cubicle, and I'm going to pray for that coworker that I know I should have prayed for the last six years I've been working for. (laughs) Working, and I just haven't done it yet. One risk. Amen. The just shall live by faith. Um, I'll close with the words of Paul where I think he had vision, he had inspiration. I'm going to read Philippians 3 again and we'll, we'll pray. He said this, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But Man, I just got even more revelation just now. I can see Paul looking back. Looking back at all the years. I, man, I've been, I've, been, I've been trying. But I haven't reached perfection yet. And he gets, he gets very real about his situation. And then he gets, he gets a lot of faith. And he goes, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I haven't achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, 
forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.